Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome to the Terrace Podcast. My name is Craig Cairns. I'm joined once again by Chris Evolumo. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, very good. I'm sitting here with a little uh, hot water and honey in it. I've got a little sore throat. So uh, I think it was that cold air last night when I was commentating uh, one of the championship matches. But uh, no, I'm, I'm good, mate. I'm very good. Thank you. I'm looking at this uh, Instagram post that you've put up recently. Uh, 13 years ago today, Southampton, uh, <laughs> who was it? Charlton, I think. And you're playing, you said you've been playing with a broken nose a broken hand, a dislocated thumb on the other hand, and you just were down to 10 men. What, what happened in this game that you ended up like you'd come out a UFC fight or something? They don't make them like me anymore, Craig. Yeah? They don't make them like me anymore. No, I broke my nose against uh, Preston uh, about two weeks before. So I, I, I got I got the all fitted to wear the mask. And then the game after that, I broke my hand uh, by a, a player coming down and basically standing on my, my wrist and my hand. So I broke my hand and then my, I dislocated my thumb, just basically I jarred it against something. So I was in absolute pieces. Uh, that game as well, uh, Josie Semedo got sent off after 16 minutes uh, and we were away. We're at St Mary's against Southampton. So basically we just grinded it out. We just basically shut up shop. And then I remember Luke Varney just took a big touch at the wide I went round the back. One of my best mates was marking me, Wayne Thomas, for them. And I remember I've I've heard that he's knocked me out. So I've already got a broken nose. I've already got a, like you say, broken hand, dislocated thumb. He had about 10 stitches down the back of his head, head and I was knocked out. After I remember I came through and I was lying on the floor, all the players on me. It's the 93rd minute. <laughs> and I stood up and I went, did I score? Did I score? They went, yeah. And I've got up. Mate, so it was. Uh, it I looks like game. I haven't seen the footage, but from the still shot you put up, the it looks like a proper kind of leaping bullet header. It looks like a proper header. 
it was a fa- fantastic ball in from Luke Varney and then basically that's what I did Craig you know you, yep. you hang it up at the back and I'll go and attack it yep. if if the ball and player doesn't end in, end up in the back of the net then <laughs> then then I'll have a someone should have a good talking to me but the game after that as well I scored a last minute winner as well injury time winner against Bristol City at uh, at their place you know what I mean so we, we beat them 1-0 so that was quite a good good uh, good period for myself at Charlton Well you mentioned grinding out results there so that kind of leads me on to the Scotland squad which was announced yesterday that's certainly what Scotland have been doing recently um, there have been a few recalls uh, and just like Kibbs's Scottish Cup hopes all representation disappeared from the Scotland squad as well and two of the players to be recalled were Craig Gordon and Lee Griffiths well I think I think they were on the cards they were kind of being predicted one of the or the surprising one I think was Grant Hanley who I've not seen much of recently and I'm sure you've seen a fair bit of him covering the championship now how's he been doing at Norwich? Well, Grant Hanley for me, well, he's he was out the team, uh, obviously injury. Uh, he's come back in, but you know what you're going to get with Grant Hanley, and I, I think, I think the, the squad, it's 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 great management from Steve Clark because you don't know what curveball is going to get thrown at you. You you know what happened with, with with the COVID losing Tierney, Armstrong, you know Christie in the last squad. So I just think it's I think it's it's great it's great management. He's got a squad of what twenty man twenty seven men strong. You know, I'm delighted that, that Griffiths is in there because, again, on his day, he, he he could be the difference. This game is massive, Craig. You know, I, you know, you know me. I, I think you you kind of got what I'm about. I'm I, I see the best. I see the most positive scenario in every situation, and that's what I try and put out into the universe. I see Scotland qualifying. I see us. I see us beating Serbia. That's that's just the way it is. I look at the quality we've got. I look at the the results that that Serbia have had the way that they play. They play very much the same formation as as as, as we do because we will play the three. Now, who's it going to be? Because I've got to say, the right wing back, Stephen O'Donnell, was excellent. Yeah, he uh, was excellent. So and and he, and he made an assist. So does does uh, does does Liam Palmer come straight back in? Does he think about playing Kieran Tierney as that that right wing back, or is it? It is unbelievable, and that's the quality and depth that we have. So. I'm looking at this match, right? Craig Gordon, tell me something. Why did Celtic let him go? I know, I know. Why did Celtic let him go? He was, a, he was. I see you smiling. He was the difference. He was, yeah. He was he, the difference think, in that cup final. I think he, he wanted to improve terms or something like that. I think they couldn't agree on a contract. I'm not entirely sure well, what the dispute was, what. but it was something well, like there that. You go then. But you look at where they are now. They're, they're still. They have a five million pound goalkeeper that the jury's still out on, and that's because yep. of the the little time he's been here uh, and they have Scott Bain who I mean I think he's a decent backup keeper but he's not a Celtic number one so yeah it's pretty strange going into the cup final that Hearts now have a better goalkeeper than Celtic uh, even though he, they had him recently all about sm- Football's all about small margins Craig uh, like you say Craig he's been there he's done it internationally club level you know <laughs> I love hearing the stories about him you know when he first uh, I think it was uh, was it Sunderland they just couldn't. They, they just couldn't score past them. They just. He came in and basically, I think it was like on the sixth training day, someone actually scored past them. That's how good that this guy is. The cat or whatever they called him. You know what I mean? But uh, so there's no surprise to me. No surprise that he's been he's been brought in. Steve Clark will be will, will be delighted that he's got not just 
not just the, the the temperament, the character, but around the squad as well. You need experienced figures that can just sit and sit and talk and communicate and give that little bit of experience because this is the biggest game that we faced for two decades. It is it is massive. So I'm just hoping that, that we're, we're we're up for the challenge. I'm hoping that I'm I'm gonna have a little chat with John McGinn uh, over the next couple of days as well. Oh, okay, uh, with the BBC. So uh, we're just waiting for that to get the thumbs up and add. I'm excited about it because again. John John comes across quite 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 shy, you know, quite. But he's not. I know for a, I know I know his brother. I know Stephen very very well. We played at Watford together. But John is a very very intelligent guy. You know what he brings on the pitch, the character. You know he loves he loves a he loves a, a little joke around, which is which is important because that brings a camaraderie. But you know what it also brings? It's he also knows when it's time to work. He works. He works harder than anyone else. He leads by example. He goes and does, and people follow. And that's exactly why you need characters like him there. And you know what? We've we've got them in abundance. You know, I've got to say, big Lyndon Dykes. The shots has to lose. Yeah, I've got. He's he's he is he is he is the main man at the minute. Mm. The, the form was it was it two two and four he's on at the minute. But yeah, outstanding return. If you give the big man service, he'll score. All of it, all of it, It wouldn't surprise me if he comes off the bench and scores the the winning goal. And you know what? He, he, from from zero to hero, you know, this is what the positives. We've all got to believe that there's a real chance that we can go uh, and do do exactly that. You know, obviously the nation leagues games that follow, they're still priority, but. Well, they're not priority. They are still important, but this game is massive, isn't it, Craig? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, you're talking about the, the strikers there. I think Griffiths is being taken as an impact sub as well. Uh, you, you look at Clark's comments yesterday, and he's talking about how he's obviously not fully fit yet because he's still on the Celtic bench and not starting, but he's come on and he's scored goals. So I, I reckon he will be there as an option to kind of come in if if we keep it tight towards the end or something and we're, we're looking for a goal then yeah, he, he definitely seems like the kind of person that will come on and the two goals he has scored to uh, so far coming off the bench this season have not only been great goals they've been they've been important goals and that's Lee Griffiths yeah. all over isn't it no you're spot on Craig you're spot on you're looking at you're looking at there's no one really like Lee Griffiths in that, uh, on that bench you probably look at Lauren Shankland you know there's, there's similarities between the two but Lee Griffiths on his day he, like I said, he's a special, special player, and, and I agree with that. You know, if, if he's if he's eighty percent, you still have to have him involved because he just has that killer instinct. He just has, he knows, and like you say, it's important goals as well. He's done this throughout his career, you know. So I'm delighted that he's back in the back in the fray uh, with Celtic. He's doing his bit, and you know, fitness wise. Uh, he'll be there or thereabout because he's had a couple of starts as well now as well, Craig. So I'm I'm delighted. I'm absolutely delighted he's back because he's massive. He is massive for the for, for club and country. But there's a lot of big players uh, that uh, you know Scott McKenna back in as well. Does he even start? Yeah, the left sided centre back is a really interesting one who plays left sided centre back. I, I think the other, I think McTominay and Gallagher are stick ons. But then is it Tierney? Is it McKenna? Is it um, Considine? Yeah. Well, to be fair, Considine never done nothing, nothing wrong either, did he? That's you know, what, this is the thing. It seems nuts to be suggesting, and all all due respect to Andy Considine, it seems nuts to be making a decision between Andy Considine and Kieran Tierney. But the the fact is, he's he's played well in those games. He's come in, and you can see Clark rewarding loyalty. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Well, let, let, let's let's think about it then. So three at the back. Uh, if that goes, which to be fair, in a, in, in quite a, a a long period of the game, we were at five at the back. It's hard to break down. You think about if it's uh, if it well, obviously Declan Ghana. If it's if it's Tierney in that position, because he's he's a very kind of forward thinking player. Sometimes he'll leave holes in behind, so you're thinking you're not quite as solid. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that we've got real good quality in, in, in the wide areas to get forward. If we can go forward with quality, uh, and then obviously then we give the service to to whatever whatever striker it is. So defensively, I think we've been sound in the games, which is which is shown. Okay, creative. I think that was quick. There's a few question marks over that in, in, in the first couple of games, but then you know what? The the final game was outstanding. Uh so I, I it's a headache that Steve Clark will be delighted to have. You know, again, there's there's some football to be played from now till then. Hopefully there's no injuries because we know what happens in football. There's it can definitely happen. But I think Steve Clark's prepared. This twenty seven man uh, squad uh, is ready for whatever scenario uh, it throws at us. So uh, this is one game I am very I'm nervous. I'm just talking about it, it's giving me butterflies. That's how much I want I want I want to win this match. But it's uh, the I've got belief in the players in the group uh, that they'll go and get the right result for sure. I wish I was as positive as that, Chris. I, I'm I'm just trying to stay on the fence about it, to be honest. I'm not being negative. It's just you get your hopes up so many times as a Scotland fan and get knocked down. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I was confident going into the game, but I, I would probably say I'm on the fence because I've got a lot of um, confidence in what Steve Clark's doing. It's, and I haven't well, been... Don't in... sit on the fence then, Craig. Don't sit <laughs> on the fence. Just say, you know what, enjoy it. Be excited about the match, you know, put it out there. And I know it's one of those things... We've we've had our hearts broken so many times, you know it is. But you know what? You still have to believe because if you don't really believe, you know what? And I say it, you'll put it out there into the universe, mate. The law of attraction, you don't, you know. So put it out there, believe, feel good about it. Look at the squad and think, bloody hell, we've we've got some. We have some good players, you know. We have some very good players, you know, players that are cutting our teeth at the, the, the top level and 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 performing as well. So so why not? And you know what? It's it's, it's, it's one game of football anything can happen you know if it just clicks on that day you just never know so no believe me don't sit get off that get off that bloody fence mate <laughs> well we'll be recording again in a, around a week's time and that'll be a couple of days or a day before the game so I'll, I promise I'll be more positive uh, uh, by <laughs> <Thank> then thank you <laughs> <laughs> but now we'll turn our attention to the games at the weekend and the first of the semi-finals on Saturday between Hearts and Hibs uh, obviously it was uh, marred by the, the sad news that Marius Lucas had passed away at the age of 36. Now, I had a look, and it doesn't look like your paths have crossed at all uh, while you've been playing or anything. I mean, I don't think you were ever really in the same competition or anything like that, but do you have many memories of Lucas playing, Chris? No, I don't. Obviously, the you know, lifting the, the cup final in 2012, this is something that, you, that you'll that you remember. Uh, I was quite shaken with, 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 with Mickey Stewart's uh, reaction because he, he was he was very upset. Even after the match, you know, you, you could see that it, it, the, the news, it, it really shook him. But you know what? It was something that, that I, I believe Zalukas and his family, they, they, they kept it private, didn't they? That he was fighting this, this mystery. And it's one of those because in those moments, uh, you, you, you need that, that, that privacy. But, uh, you know, 
I didn't know him, but I hear about what he was like as a as, as a person, and and like you say, a very very kind, quiet lad. Could like when he spoke, it was he was listened to and taken seriously. But a fantastic player and a massive loss. You know, it's a it's a massive blow to the football family, and obviously, obviously, our condolences go out to to his family and closest friends as well. Turning our attention to the game, what I wanted to ask you first of all was uh, Hearts have been through a lot this year, and. Uh, injustices or perceived injustices whatever you, however you want to term it and we, we've heard of kind of dressing rooms being galvanised by things and I think it's safe to say that this does happen but from a player's perspective Chris is this something that's kind of overplayed from a media and a kind of fan point of view or is it something that actually happens quite a lot no not at all not at all overplayed and let's just put it out there injustice it was an absolute bloody disgrace what, uh, what, 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 what what's happened uh, you know I think uh certain governed bodies need to have a real good look at themselves if, 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 if the promising of restructuring was 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 offered whatever it was that the whole stories behind it all was a complete and absolute shambles so yes you know that's something that makes Robbie Nielsen's job a lot easier you know their uh, hearts are are massive favourites should 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 win the championship by a country mile you know with the quality they've got uh, but that's ex- that's that's the expectation on the players a massive club massive club uh, but the players trust me the players will have that little bit between the teeth as you've seen you know it's small margins you know Craig Gordon coming in fantastic signing you know he, like I said he was a difference you know the Nisbet missed penalty he should do better shouldn't should have been a penalty in the first place and then obviously the Christian Deutsch was, was offside if, if there was VAR or whatever it was That's there's no grey area there that's, it's black and white and he, and he was offside uh, uh, well, he was offside. It was someone else was offside for for the goal. But I think it, I think there's a possibility he was he was offside as well. <clears throat> but Hearts, you think about it, they started well. You know, I think uh, what sitting third at the minute, but a game in hand. It's just it's just about as a manager, the when they when the players come back and they go through preseason, they set their goals. The only goal for Hearts is promotion. That's it. There's there's no there's no falling short. Automatic promotion, winning more games uh, to be fair shouldn't be losing any games Is and I know it happens it doesn't matter that's how big that's how big hearts are uh, in, in the championship but the whole bravado about it the media saying oh yeah it's like this is something that Jose Mourinho does very well he creates that atmosphere in a squad that it's the squad against the rest of the world everyone hates us because we are so good and Robbie Nielsen can create that you know, I think I, I've been reading a little bit about Craig Levine, what he's come out and said, and it, and it is, it's so, it's so true. You know, Hearts can pull off a, a shock against Celtic. You know, it's it's football is all about small margins. If they can go win the Scottish Cup, oh my God, you know that again. So Robbie Nielsen just has to have that momentum in the squad, get them used to winning games, winning games, winning games. It becomes a nice habit to have. You know, so so as a manager, yeah. Look, everyone, everyone thinks we're feeling sorry for ourselves. Uh, what happened to us? You know, being relegated on what the the point? It was a shambles. So again, the players will be up for it every single game. I, I can't see them. I can't see them dropping, dropping, dropping the gear. And it's and as it it's a nice habit to have. So it's going to be a. I think I know that you're, you're a hearts man, aren't you? That's right, yeah. So I think I think it's uh, and you know what, when you're when you're consistently winning games, and this is for the Hearts fans as well, you're uh, it's a good feeling. There's a great buzz around the place, around the city. 
you know, you're, you're going into, you're, you're scoring lots of goals, you're, you're, you're watching a, a nice brand of football, albeit on, on, on screen at the minute. We, we do need the fans back in. But, uh, but then once you get promoted, because to be fair, I can't see you not. Once you come into the Premier League, you've got that feel good factor again. Massive club massive club and like you say that was a proper a proper uh, derby match as well that one which was I, I really enjoyed it that livened up a little bit uh, in extra time but both teams had good chances yeah you mentioned fine margins and that was something we spoke about last week and something I was going to bring up again and that's exactly where this game went this game this game could have gone either way at many points in the match I mean Hibs had early chances where they could have been a couple of goals up by half time Uh, there's the penalty decisions there's the actual penalties themselves I mean it it just could have gone anywhere on the day it was it was very very even you could even say Hibs had the better chances in open play on the uh, on the day there's an argument to be to be made for that but um, yeah the penalty decisions they they were bizarre weren't they I mean the first one I think it's just a perfect storm, the first one, because I think it's like an amazing dive. I think um, Popescu has gone to, but then pulled out at the last second very well. So it looks like a penalty to call him. And then you've got Madden behind the goal, but he's his view's obstructed. So I think it was just a perfect storm. I don't actually blame the referee for giving it. I think it was uh, it was very devious from the player. Well, no, come on then. You, you, say, you say what you said before we come on here. What did you think it was? It was a perfect dive. It was a perfect dive, yeah, it was. It had me fooled, it had everybody fooled. I I don't think I've heard anybody say on first viewing that they didn't think it was a penalty. I think everybody thought it was a penalty when they first saw it. Well, we've we've said, like me and Leanne said that he dived uh, when we were watching it. Tomo said there was contact, which there was, but he'd already kind of threw himself to the floor. Yeah. Uh, And it's a time and it's, it's, you know, it's a massive match. Tensions are high. He's got nowhere to go. What goes through his head? He's thinking, I'm in the box here. All right, he's going to, it's just, that's how, that's how, that's how slowly the player sees it. So I don't like seeing that in the game. He conned the referee. Nisbet misses the penalty. It's not, and then it was the the McGinn challenge. I don't think there's much in that either. You know, I yeah. don't think there's much in it. I think I think the only thing that McGinn's probably guilty of there. He's allowed. Uh, is it White? Isn't it White, yeah. to get on to get on the wrong side of him? So I don't think there's much contact. There's a little kind of swing, but I think White's just felt him on the back of him and went to floor. So he's again, bought it. Yeah, he's definitely bought it. I I would say that White, if he gets in possession of that ball, so if that that play runs for a second longer and White gets into possession of that ball and that contact's made and White goes down, I think that's a penalty. And I think that's maybe what Colum thinks he sees. But I, when you look at it in the slow mo, White's kind of jumped in front of him and falling over in yes. the same motion. It's not. It's not that he's in well, possession of the ball and has been fouled. That's very honest from a Hearts fan there. I was, <laughs> yes, I, I love that. But that's that you got to be. This is what I'm trying to say. I think no matter no matter what way the allegiances lie, you have to you have to you have to kind of deliver it in, in, in an honest way. And that I, I'm very I'm impressed with that. Thanks. Because I thought <laughs> I thought you would have been shouting and saying, "Oh, definite Hearts penalty." Because we were arguing about it in, in the studio at the weekend, and half the camp was saying, "Oh, it's a penalty." Half the camp was saying it was not. We had we had we had the choice to look at it from three different angles. Yeah, and exactly. Still, and, and we were still we were still deliberating it fifty fifty. You know what I mean? So we understand how difficult a job it is for the referee. But talk to me about Boise's penalty, by the way. But that's how you take a penalty in it. He, he didn't fair, even he look. Had a little one earlier. He had a little chance earlier in the match where he, where he's just got. He, he's went for the dink, so he's got that about him that he's thought, you know what, I'm just going to dink this over the keeper here, but hit the target. He's you a know, wee bit off it at the moment. 
I think he's a wee bit off it at the moment in terms of open play. But I no, like he'll get there. I think he'll... when he came down to Burton, he, he he got injured. Yeah, uh, he got injured in in pre season or one of the early games in the season. But when he came back, you know what? He's he'll he'll score goals in the championship. He's got the quality even uh, scored goals in the, in the Premiership as well. So again, it's great recruitment from uh, Robbie Nielsen. It was Robbie. Was it Robbie Nielsen that brought him in, or was he there before? Oh, it might have been. I think it might have been Stendel actually, but it might not have even been a Stendel signing, if you know what I mean. I think Stendel was right. the manager, but I'm not sure because Austin McPhee was still around at the time. I think so. It might have been yeah. through Austin McPhee's connections. I can't remember. Right. That it was yeah. never just the manager at Hearts that was signing players uh, since we've had a director of football and stuff it's always been like a, a team effort or because we have had a few through Austin McPhee's contacts specifically like we've got the Greek guy yeah. Cholis and yeah. a couple of Northern Ireland players and things like that because he's been involved yeah. in their setup but in terms of Boyce's penalty yeah he doesn't even look to see where the goalkeeper's going does he he just he's picked his spot head down and he just yeah he just rifles it and it's because Marciano's not, actually not that far away from it and guesses the right way but it's it's just one of those ones where it's out of most keepers' reach. Like you say, yeah, he, he struck it so well. The keeper went the right way, nowhere near it. It's one of them. Not unless you throw yourself thinking he's going he's going to that exact spot, that's the only chance a keeper's going to get anywhere near it. And even then, I don't think they can stop that. It was a fantastic penalty. It just shows you the, the bottle that he's got as well. You know what I mean? It takes uh, takes some big cojones, as they say, to, to step up and grab the ball. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. It certainly does. Well, speaking of bottling games, I, come, this maybe sounds a wee bit unfair, but give me time. Um, the other semi-final, Aberdeen. Now, last week we were supposed to speak about Aberdeen, but we ran out of time. I was ready to come on and ask you whether, because this is a, a new Aberdeen side, the way they're setting up, more attacking than McInnes has been in recent seasons. It's very exciting. Lots of attacking uh, players on the pitch. And I was wondering whether that 3 all draw was a sign that we had a different Aberdeen in terms of mentality as well. Because in the past... That's the kind of game that Aberdeen would throw away. If they got in, if they got ahead and then conceded a couple of goals, they, they would have gone on to lose it, but they got back and they got a kind of last-minute equaliser. <clears throat> so I was, I was ready to ask you whether is this a, a, a completely different Aberdeen team in terms of mentality, but it seems like... Now, I don't know if bogey teams are a real thing, and I'm reluctant to call Celtic a bogey team because usually bogey teams are um, reserved for someone that you should be getting the better of or you should be getting the better of more. But... Does that kind of mentality play on players' minds when they go in and they think, like, we can never beat these guys? And does that kind of seep in, even though players will change from year to year? Well, let's just say in the last 18 encounters, I think Celtic have won, what is it, 16? 16 of them? Something along those lines. It's it's bizarre. But I, I have to be honest with you, Craig, you know, like when I, when I came up to St. Johnson, it was something that, that I found quite hard. You've got to remember, I've played down in England most of my career in the Championship, bottom of the league can beat top of the league on the day. It doesn't really happen in the Premiership. Now, when I joined the, the, the Scotland squad, and I, I, will, I will get back to your answer, uh, when I when I joined the St. Johnson squad I, and looked around, I could have been at any team in, in, in any country in the world. And I mean, the quality, the, the camaraderie amongst the, the players, it was a great squad. And I know it was great times. We went on to win the Scottish Cup. But in the league... And it's something that I'm still getting my head around. And I, I talk to like Tomo and Leanne and Jonathan and, and David because it is basically Celtic and Rangers and everyone think, right, third, who can finish third? And that's that's quite a difficult thing for a player. I, I would find that very hard to accept. 
you know, I would look around, if I'm in the Aberdeen squad and you're thinking, bloody hell, we've got some good players, which they probably say season in, season out. Can we bridge that gap? And I know like, there'll be there'll be pundits and, and, and reporters thinking, what's the big what's the big man? What's the big man on? Is he has he had a few drinks this morning? But that's what I love about Jack Ross. It's it, it, it Hibbs, that's what he says. He says that is the target. We want to bridge that gap. We want to be competing for the premiership, not to finish third. You know, so how difficult is it for Derek McInnes, Jack Ross, when the group come together and they say, right, what's what's our objectives this season? Surely it's about going and winning the league. Or do the, do the players just laugh at the manager when he says, right, we're going to win the league this year, boys? And this is a hard thing because Celtic and Rangers are so dominant of the Premiership. It's quite hard to break that cycle and break quite hard to to get that that the 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 men the, the mental side to the players. So the manager has to genuinely believe that they can go and win the league, and then that has to filter into the group. So you might talk about bogey side, you know, Derek McInnes again, Aberdeen. The result against Celtic 3-3 was an outstanding result. You have to build on that. You have to give the players the confidence. See, you know what? They they just won nine in a row. And you've you've ran them all the way. It's a cup semi-final next year. Let's go small margins. Make sure on a day we'll need a bit of luck. But again, it's just this is what I mean. Celtic and Rangers go into every match with the expectation, the belief they're gonna win that match. It doesn't happen with any other team in the premiership. Any any other game, no matter who they're playing. It's basically, oh God, we have to grind this out. We have to make sure we start well. Hibs, Hibs playing Livingston, it's not guaranteed. Celtic Rangers playing these teams is more often guaranteed. So it's a, it's a mindset that we we create as the media that say, okay, and but the players have to buy into it. Look what Leicester done in the Premier League. I was going to say Atletico Madrid. I think that's a better parallel uh, obviously we're a budget version of the of La Liga but you look at the two team dominance that they had for years and years and then yeah. Atletico Madrid came in and broke that and now are considered I mean is it considered quite a top three and I mean it is a top three but I, I no don't you're, know. Right. you're not, right you're right you're right they don't they don't kind of go into any season as favourites though uh, Atletico Madrid though, but they, they've bridged that gap significantly so you, you could see that it would be possible here yeah and you look at Leicester that's uh, that's a bit different because that's um that's just kind of like a random winner rather than a team kind of progressing and progressing and bridging the gap and becoming a kind of elite club well, like Leicester, that. Leicester are, Leicester are basically classed as a top four club now. Craig, right, that's I suppose, what I'm saying. Yeah. They're sitting, what, second in the league at the minute in, in the Premier League. So you're talking about they won the Premier League, then straight away they're in the Champions League. What does that allow them to do? Bring in a, a different calibre of player. Gives them money, so yeah. It's, it's all these little domino effects. So Aberdeen and, and Hibs are probably the closest two teams that are, can go and put any pressure on, on, on the big two. But what do they do? I think I think they've got, if you look at the squads, you look at the Hibs squad, you look at the, the Aberdeen squad, they have quality and depth. You compare them to Celtic and Rangers, it's probably nowhere near you know if you go you go first 11 the, the the squad but Aberdeen they have to have the belief that they can go and cause an upset they have to have a belief that they can they can they can bridge that gap but it's a difficult one it is a difficult one because they don't have the uh, well the foundations are there both are massive clubs and even when hearts get promoted you're thinking right but then it's the it's the quality of uh, recruitment the players that they better get bring in the Champions League getting a, getting another Champions League spot by the way uh, that's massive that is massive for Scottish football because again but again if that just keeps going to the big two then that gap's only going to get bigger and bigger so teams have to try and bridge that gap and I'm saying that like you say Hibs and Aberdeen are the, are the, uh, the closest two to be doing that and just one thing to kind of finish up on Chris um, we had Sam Cosgrove returning from injury 
quite a long term injury actually for this game and he, he wasn't quite at it you can hardly blame him if you're just kind of working your way back like that and you, you yourself had a, a terrible injury at one point your medial lig ligament damage yes I've been on your Wikipedia page again but um, <laughs> what's it like coming back into the fold after that because we hear we hear this term match fit a lot right and like he's not match fit but so, so but what's it like taking to the field when you're fully fit but you're not match fit and most other people around you are yeah, you feel you feel definitely off the pace. Uh, now I've I've had a few issues. I've like I've had ten operations on my left knee, but I broke my foot, my right foot. So the longest period, and I was in the best shape of my life. Uh, the longest period without football was four months for me, and it was uh, I came back early uh, from a broken foot, and basically you've just got to get your sharpness again. Let's put it this way, Craig. If you are fit and you start pre-season and you miss a couple of those pre-season matches, or let's say you have a full pre-season, you're still not match fit until about three, four, five, six games into the actual campaign. And do they have to because be full competitive matches as well? They have to be that's ha first They have team. to be full competitive matches because that's where, you know, reserve matches or pre-season matches yeah you can you can just get your you can get the minutes in you can get the base fitness in but you know the adrenaline that when you get the result when you get the win you can only get that from competitive matches so like you say Cosgrove you, with the quality that he's got he might just need a little chance and he'll hit the back of the net and adrenaline will get him through so much of the match but again that was a very big a very big match to kind of, I know he's he, to, to come back into and be thrown thrown into the mix. It was a gamble. It's, uh, it's, it's, it is a gamble. And it was worth not, taking from Kinnis's point of it's view. It's not easy. It's it's not easy, Craig. You know, when if you're fully fit, you're injury free, you, it still takes you a period of time to get fit. So when you've come back from a, an injury, no matter what, what time, they say if you have two weeks, three weeks of doing nothing, you basically have to build your fitness from scratch again. That's, that's, that's how quick it is. You know, so straight away, uh, no matter what injury he has he'll be doing fitness in other ways if it's bike work if it's pool work because the better base fitness you have the quicker it is for you to get to your peak level but again it's only going to come with competitive matches so I, I won't see him uh, I don't think he'll be firing unless he has a little bit of luck grabs a couple of goals and then, then adrenaline takes him so far but even then he'll have a, a peak and then he'll have a come down after that as well well, let's hope Scotland players stay injury-free this weekend ahead of the big one next week. But I think that's about time for us, Chris. I'll let you go. Thanks again. Absolute pleasure as always. Not different class, Craig. <laughs> no worries. And we will catch you again next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.